0: Welcome to a special episode of Front Porch Theology, featuring some of the authors from the new book, Church Out Here, Insights from Small Town Churches. We're thrilled to host this short series of podcast episodes to highlight the work of Rural Church Voices. Well, hey, thanks for listening today. My name is Will Basham. I'm the lead pastor at New Heights Church in Milton, West Virginia, and part of Rural Church Voices. And we have uh, a new book coming out called Church Out Here, Insights from Small Town Churches. We're doing a series of podcasts uh, talking with the authors of the book. This book has 12 authors, uh, 12 essays dealing with rural church issues. And um, today I have the privilege of sitting down with Olivia Mead and Chris Priestley, and we're going to be talking about the chapters they wrote in the book and uh, discussing some of the principles of discipleship and engaging culture. And so we're really excited to have you guys on the podcast today, so thanks for spending some time with us here. Um, Olivia, why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself, um, how, how'd you end up uh, where you are and becoming an author?
1: Yeah, so um, I'm Olivia. I'm born and raised here in rural West Virginia, so I'm a member of New Heights Church in Milton. Um, my family and I live in Huntington, and we've been there for the last 10 years or so, and um, so, yeah, serving and, and being part of a local small town rural church is just part of my faith story. You know, mm-hmm. it's just something that I've always um, been part of since I was a child. And so being part of this project was supernatural <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Not supernatural, yeah. but super space natural very natural. very natural <laughs> yeah. i'm an author i'm great with words <laughs> um so yeah um so being part of this has really you know been a joy and quite easy um to to talk about these things and yeah. um i love you know, reading and seeing the perspective of other people who are part of the project as well. Um, so yeah, I'm super grateful for that. But um, ministry-wise, so uh, our family is part of New Heights Church, and I serve primarily um, the women of our church in a discipleship space. So we have um, a Bible study that we do with women and some other things discipleship-wise that we do. And so Um, For me, ministry-wise, I'm very passionate about women's discipleship in the local church and what that looks like to grow in Scripture, Um, seeing women teach Scripture, pray together, um, talk with one another, and really just learn deeply about the Lord and about God's Word. And so um, being able to take that experience and just my love for it and write about it and hopefully um, be a help for others who are reading is um, what I'm really particularly excited about about my chapter. Yeah,
0: great. Um, Chris? uh Chris Priestley, uh, pastors at Crossroads Church, uh, good to have you down here with us today. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit of your backstory? Uh, similar to mine, I know, um, yeah. but uh, we had similar upbringings, but tell us uh, how you got to where you are in ministry.
2: Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm from Lincoln County, West Virginia, born and raised. Amen. <laughs> Praise so, All God. three of us. From, from Sod, That's right. West we didn't Virginia. even plan that. Yeah, no. we're all, all Lincoln County mm-hmm. folks. And thus my credibility for anything rural <laughs> is I'm from Sod, West Virginia, which literally means dirt. So I'm from that's the tight. town of Dirt, and uh, married my high school crush, Laura, and uh, we moved to Morgantown about 15 years ago. So we've got uh, four kids now, nine down to three, and uh, we replanted Crossroads Church there. So that's a church in Morgantown, uh, which has about 30,000 people. And when the college students... The church or spr- the city? Uh, yeah, good, good point. The city. <laughs> okay. Uh, and 30,000 um, students, not our church.
0: You're still under your attendance at the church, still under 5,000. Still under 10,000. Okay. I think. Okay. <laughs> uh, and
2: then uh, we have a church in Fairmont, which is a community of about 18,000. Um, and really, the mission and the vision of, of the church is that we love Jesus. We love our city. We want two to meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things we tried to do over the last 14 years is call people to plant roots in their communities, uh, to plant the gospel deeper than the idols and the despair and the. Um, any of the sins in the community
0: to outlast them Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah that's great um well thanks for being being in morgantown and um and just being a missionary in west virginia um and yeah i don't don't think we planned this but yeah we are the three lincoln county reps uh i think the only three lincoln county rooted jason dabbled in lincoln county but he's not originally from there (laughs) right but um but yeah the book has uh again 12 authors uh some are out of state but uh we collected you know our friends and, and networked deeply uh but we collected authors that we thought could actually write from yeah. experience um that that lived in places that are similar to to where we had a heart for and also ministered in those contexts and um and so I'm really excited for the book to come out I think it's going to be helpful for so many people um in small town environments um, so Olivia, you wrote a chapter entitled, As You Go, uh, Discipleship is Essential for All People in All Places. Um, and so thank you for capturing discipleship for uh, the small town context in the book. Your chapter's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, could you maybe give us a quick overview of, of why you wrote about that, uh, your heart for that, um, and and maybe the distinct um, rural flair uh, that you wrote about uh, for discipleship?
1: Yeah, So the topic of discipleship is very broad, and so it's hard to fit that into like a 3,000-word chapter. So I narrowed it down to um, really talking about the places that discipleship happens and what that looks like in different places and avenues, and then the people of discipleship. So we know that's um, primarily all people and those around us. But um, breaking that down, I wanted to show that first, discipleship is – What we're called to as christians and as the church so collectively as the church we're discipling those within our four walls you know if it's a Mm -hmm. bible study or um a group or you know these things that are more formal that we're offering for church goers but also discipleship happens in really small ways in our lives and i think it's important for us as christians as leaders pastors um and really as the church to ensure that the people um The people around us the people that we're teaching and leading know how to disciple their children Mm -hmm. know how to disciple friends in the workplace um new believers that they may have in their small group or you know whatever that may look like um discipleship happens really everywhere it's not just something that's happening within the church although i find that to be very important to have classes and places to learn and grow and go deeper um but I really wanted to highlight this idea um, that discipleship happens everywhere mm-hmm. and it happens with everyone. And I think when we can be very intentional about that, that it's easier for us to really fulfill the call in a helpful and beneficial way. Um, so I anchored my chapter on the Great Commission, um, which is a great place, I think for us to anchor in terms of discipleship where Jesus told his disciples and then in turn told us to go to go, therefore, and to make disciples. And so that word go, it it means being on a journey, and it can be um, a journey that you're already on, or it can be a new journey. And so for someone like me, for instance, I I didn't mention this when um, explaining who I am, but I'm a mom. I have two little girls at home um, under the age of four. And so for me, I'm primarily on the journey of being a mom um, and being a mom of two little girls. And so I work and I do ministry and you know I'm a wife and have all these things but my day in and day out is spent with two little kids and so um, for me that's the journey I'm on I can't just pick up and go to a foreign country by myself Uh and feel like that's how I fulfill the Great Commission no my fulfillment of the Great Commission is being faithful to my family at home and discipling my kids in a way that is caring for them Um, but that is also teaching them in the way of the gospel hopefully they will grow and learn to love the Lord as I do and so um, I I want people to see that that is so important mm-hmm. um, that you know we're teaching it in our churches and we're growing deeper and, and going further in the Word of God. But um, if we're not capturing that with people and really in in the essence of our lives, then I think we're missing. Um, really the essence of the Great Commission. And so that's where I anchored the chapter and what I hope that people can gather from it. Um, and I also talked specifically about women in our churches, uh, which is obviously a passion of mine to see women grow and flourish and mm-hmm. um teach one another and, and read scriptures and talk about theology and um, just spend time in places and spaces that we may not have uh, before. It, it could have not been available to us, or maybe we weren't interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want women to see, and I want men to see in our churches too, that it's it's incredibly important for women to talk about these things and to study in this way.
0: And it's important too, and one of the things I love about your chapter is it's incredibly empowering mm-hmm. um, because you, you really highlight the the necessity of every Christian to be a disciple maker. Um, and I think it's, I think it's easy. And I think particularly easy in rural places to just be like the pastor. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we even have a chapter yeah. in the book on plurality and why churches need plurality, but, but there definitely is a mindset in small town places where we have the pastor and, and he does discipleship for us and he does mm-hmm. our evangelism and he preaches good sermons and that's what we need. Um, and, and kind of this, uh, forgotten thing is that, um, yeah, every, every person in the body of Christ is called to carry out the Great Commission. And so mm-hmm. you do a good job calling us to that and uh, walking us through the details of what that looks like. Chris, your chapter is called Hold Fast and Outlast, How Churches Engage as the Culture Invades. Um, really uh, insightful work you've done in your chapter. Um you begin by talking about how there's this uh, this trickle-down of, of culture, right, from yeah. the big city mm-hmm. to the small towns to the rural places. And uh, growing up in the same county, you know, uh, the implication was that we didn't get the concerts we wanted, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> the concerts we wanted to go to, they never came to West Virginia. Um, but – uh, as you, as you ex- begin to examine that, you examine uh, different cultural fads, and specifically as society uh, goes away from God's will and His, his design, um, how that is beginning to, to really shape some small-town culture now. Yeah. Um, and tell us a little bit about you know, uh, that topic and, yeah. and how you began to wrestle and tackle that. Yeah, so
2: I, it is a fun topic, but I think it's pressing in our
0: day. And I just want to encourage
2: pastors and churches, um, particularly in the face um, of, of a wave of particularly like gender and sexuality and LGBTQ ideology, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times people move to rural places and we're seeing that demographically, like people are moving from coastal cities and urban areas to rural areas in a sense to almost escape. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes I think pastors or churches, we can think all of that stuff happens out there. Right. Um, all that craziness is way out there, um, but but not here. And I want to challenge that is to not just assume um, mm-hmm. no one in our communities is facing um, any of those struggles and uh, or to stick our head in the sand as though that influence isn't present in our own backyards. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, I, I want to encourage, number one, um, that people in our communities and in our churches are not only being influenced by those things, but also experience struggles mm-hmm. of disordered desires and of gender dysphoria, and of each of these areas, and they need pastors and they need Christians and they need church leaders who are willing to speak to those things with the power of the gospel yeah. in a way that's transforming, in a way that's helpful, in a way that is um, enables them to overcome.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and and I. So I, I think the, the goal of this chapter is really to encourage pastors and churches to, act, to not avoid,-, mm-hmm. um, to not assume, to yeah. not retreat, yeah, uh, and certainly not to compromise, but to go on speaking, yeah. clearly and truthfully and lovingly, because as Olivia points out so well in her chapter on discipleship, the culture is
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And so people are being discipled 24 7, yeah, through their screens uh through their candy bars, uh, through everything yeah. at this mm-hmm. point yeah. yeah is gender ideology or LG right. and and so I, I wanna lovingly and yet firmly say to to Christians and to churches, Hey, wake up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um let's talk about these things um with the life changing power of the gospel. Yeah. And to go on speaking about those things for the glory of Jesus and, and for the good of our people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was at a conference recently and I heard a pastor talking about um, the themes of writing that you see throughout church history and the themes of writing tend to focus on the the big topics of, of their era. Right? So, so you see in the early church fathers, there's a ton of writing on the Trinity because you had so many Trinitarian heresies creeping into the church. So mm-hmm. uh, the people in the church felt the need. We need to clarify and write yes. um, so that future generations have uh, answers for these things. Um, Reformation, right? You have, you have, uh, you know, Salvation by grace alone and faith alone, and the sufficiency of Scripture, um, because it was so compromised in that day. And um, he asked the, the the crowd, "What's the what's the uh, issue of our day?" And most people just kind of answered it in their heads, but some people actually said out loud, "Gender." Yes. Um, and I think it's very clear that as as we look around our world. Um, and particularly where we live, um, that that is an issue that we're going to have to deal with. And I, I think there is a tendency in small town and rural places to just kind of say, yeah. well, that's the big city church's problem, right. not mm-hmm. ours. Uh, but it's going to be ours. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, it, it already is. Maybe we're just not looking at it. Um, that's right. So both of you actually talk about gender in your chapters. Um, and so maybe either of you, um, maybe talk about how we can um, how we can lovingly, uphold God's design for gender, um, in, in the church today. Yeah. Well, I, I know, um,
2: you have probably seen, and I have too, uh, pastors and Christians who have, um, gone off the rails Mm -hmm. in, in this area, um, or who have just, um, absolutely drank the Kool-Aid of, of whatever the culture has determined in the last 15 minutes is, is the way to go. And that's not loving of anyone even when it's done under the guise of being loving.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, because when people are affirming or approving of the very desires that Jesus died to save me from, then that's not life-giving mm-hmm. and, and that's not helpful. And mm-hmm. so one way that, that we can go off the rails is by just affirming whatever the culture's saying. Oh, yeah, Jesus says that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other way, though, is by absolutely avoiding, because we know how controversial this is in our culture is i'm just not going to talk about it yeah um and that's uh whatever the motive it's not helpful to our people Mm -hmm. um and then with matters of sexuality and and struggles with disordered desires and and gender dysphoria i think a a, another um, problematic way to respond is when um, pastors or, or christians have responded as though uh, with it with an inept view of, of sanctification that is though if if you meet Jesus suddenly all of your temptations yeah. s- sexually will just disappear right not with any other temptation but but particularly mm-hmm. with with those temptations and struggles and um and we know that the that the cross of Jesus frees us from the penalty of sin from the power of sin, but its presence remains
0: mm-hmm.
2: and so I want to encourage people to to go on speaking truthfully um particularly in the area where the culture is the, loudest incessantly Mm -hmm. um there was a quote that's often attributed to um martin luther and i've i've not been able to track it down that he ever said it (laughs) but there there was a hymn writer um by the name of uh, elizabeth charles and and i wrote this down she warned if i profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition every portion of the truth of god except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking i'm not confessing christ
0: Mm-hmm.
2: However boldly I may be professing Christianity and and so people out here, we need our pastors, yeah uh, we need our fellow Christians, we need we need our leaders to be speaking truthfully
1: mm-hmm. and
2: clearly on the areas where the culture is speaking incessantly, saying that you know what gender and sexuality is actually a good gift yeah. right. given to us from on high. Mm-hmm. Marriage is a good gift that God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we need to be writing and demonstrating a countercultural script, both with our words and with our lives. Yeah. What, what the culture tells us is that our um, sexuality, and even our gender at this point, is determined inside out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That, that what I feel is what is determinative of reality. So if I feel as though I am a woman, or if I'm attracted to the same sex, then that mm-hmm. determines my nature, who I mm-hmm. am. And that's so oppressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead in the scriptures, gender and sexuality is a received gift from on high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Male and female, he created them. Um, and, and that is a gift that accords with both nature and with the word. And we have been given this gift from the scriptures and from nature to be able to communicate to people where health um, is found. And, and not only that, but Jesus Christ redeems us by his gospel and he restores our nature. Yeah. So however long we might struggle, yeah, uh, we, we have the power of Christ. We have his word um, to restore sanity in a mm-hmm. culture that's lost its mind and sometimes yeah. in yeah. churches that have too. That's yeah. so good.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, something that you said is that it's easy to... Um, just see the conversation, here and, and observe things that are happening, and just because we're risk-averse or we don't want to have any kind of controversial yeah. um, conversations or even appear to be part of a controversy, we just back away and allow it to happen around us and don't yes. speak into it. And I think that that is particularly easy for people who are not pastors mm. um, or not leaders in a church or... or are not maybe people who um, feel the need to speak and talk on different things. It's easy for a lot of us Christians um, and people in our churches to just allow others like our pastors or leaders or maybe a person that we follow on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram who may be saying all the right things, um, and it can be good and true and great. But um, if we are not owning that and understanding it, just as regular Christians, like yeah, I mean, We've also talked about the way that things are are discipling us in our culture. Mm-hmm. Just this morning, um, I was turning on a show for my four year old, and there was this new show that popped up. It's like a new kids show, and um, it looked fun. You know, it was like it, it looked great. So we tried it, and I was watching it with her because, as I do with new new shows, I told her we would try it. And so there was nothing that they were saying or particularly you know there was no vulgar language nothing that was totally in your face that like you know i definitely don't want my kids to see this and watch this but as i was listening and Mm -hmm. seeing some subtle things there was a lot of new age spirituality there was a lot of um like gender was not clearly identified with any of the characters which i could tell was very intentional and so my four-year-old is like they're wearing pink and sparkles and this is fun for me to watch but if she continues (laughs) to watch it um You know, and I'm not one of these people who's like, let's rage against all of the streaming services, but we have to be really intentional with Mm -hmm. things like that in our homes. Like, I don't want her um, to, there's certain things that she may pick up from a show. Like, we may need to have a conversation of this is not something that we're going to watch. And here's why at an age appropriate level Mm -hmm. um, for my four year old. But we have to be, yeah, that is (laughs) discipleship. We have to be mindful of that. And we also have to understand that it's our place as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to care about about these things. Yeah. It might be really uncomfortable to have conversations about gender and um, like everything that's happening in the culture. For some it's a welcomed conversation, for many of us it's a really uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. But we have to be having that in our churches. We have to teach our people how to talk about this, Mm -hmm. um, how to work through um, conversations that they're having with their family members or friends or children even. Um, How can we appropriately just equip people um, to be able to have the conversations and feel empowered to yeah. know that it's not just because we're on this side of the culture and they're yeah. on the other side of the culture it's because this is what the word of God says That's so good. this is who God created us to be and made us to be and there's actually freedom in this uh-huh, yeah. um, many people see it as just these boundaries that are um, keeping us from being our true selves and living in the way that we want to live and that's actually really good <laughs> that we yeah. have boundaries yeah. that yeah. keep us from living the way that we want to <laughs> live because we have this beautiful freedom found in christ yep. and you know if everything that we're doing is not seasoned with that mm-hmm. then we come off as people right who are bigots we come off as people mm-hmm. who are shouting and screaming and you know we don't want anyone to be happy and live carefree and yeah. and lovingly and i think that um you know that's just something that we have to face yeah. in the in the face of controversy um but we have to be talking about these things we have to know that it's conversations that. We can't avoid anymore. I mean, yeah. as much as we would like to think, especially in rural, small yes. towns, um, it's absolutely unavoidable.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I, I think uh, it's it's important to remember, too, this was so refreshing to realize, um, a created order biblically received from on high sexuality um, has always been strange mm-hmm. in the culture.
1: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. uh, When the Israelites were yeah. going into Canaan, it was mm-hmm. this polytheistic, like, yeah. It was messed up. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, but the creator God has made us male and female. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. women aren't property, but they're equal. Yeah. And that we're creating children not as property,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but image bearers of God. In Rome, oh my goodness, yeah. sexuality <laughs> was off the walls. Yeah. Yeah. And Christians were confessing, but we believe this man has lived and died and risen again mm-hmm. and restored to us this nature as a picture of Christ's love for the church. Yeah, And so that is as that becomes the case in our culture, that's not actually new to face. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: We shouldn't expect the culture around us that doesn't know Jesus to applaud. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Uh, When we model biblical um, God-received gender and sexuality. But what we can expect is that we would aim to Mm out-disciple our culture's discipleship and to out-love. Now, not in the farcical way that our culture defines love. Yeah. Um, But as Jesus commanded, my friend Doug Ponder, he says, Christians, don't be jerks, but do let Jesus define what a jerk is (laughs) and not our culture.
1: Yeah. Uh Um,
2: Because (laughs) proclaiming that we're sinners who need grace is not being a jerk. Yeah. Proclaiming Jesus is the only way is not being a jerk. Mm -hmm. Proclaiming male and female, he created them, and that's good.
1: Yeah.
2: uh, Is not being a jerk. Yeah. And so we want to out-disciple, out-love, and as a result, outlast all of this out here until Jesus comes back.
0: Yeah. Amen. I like uh, how Koszenberger puts it um, in his book. He, he talks about the difference between uh, traditional marriage and biblical marriage um, because he argues for uh, what many call traditional marriage, one man, one woman for life. Um, that's what the Bible's plan for marriage is. But he says, he, we're not, if, if we uh, give to the culture, we want. Traditional marriage, people assume we're talking about the 1950s, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, we're talking about <laughs> biblical marriage. Biblical mm-hmm. manhood and womanhood is not found in the 1950s. It's found in God's revealed word, and um, and I think I think if yeah, if we're just trying to get back to whatever we see the glory days as, is if the glory days are the 1950s, then we're selling ourselves vastly short of what God actually has for us. And so this complementarian mm-hmm. beauty of of coming in and and seeing gender and appreciating it as like like you said, Chris, an outside in gift, not an Inside out uh, revelation. Um, it, it's it's something that's deeply empowering, and, and it is it, it does create healthy disciples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, live as as someone who's. Um, ministering in a context where you're empowering and equipping and discipling a lot of women, I think you would agree with me that um, if, if we go with the culture that gender is just not important, it's actually really demeaning to women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you seek to, in a complementarian way, empower women uh, to serve in the church and, and not feel like there's kind of restraint or a glass ceiling or, or whatever um, misconceptions there may be about complementarianism? Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you help women see that?
1: yeah I think um, it takes a lot of untangling often because we when we think of it as um, you know, there's these things that we can never attain, like being a pastor yeah. or being an elder or preaching on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. or in any service, you know, these things that we we often put a list, Together in our minds, or even in in um, a lot of Christian and evangelical spaces, there's (laughs) these lists that um, we see of like, here's what women can do, here's Here's what women can't do, and those are, in my opinion, very unhelpful. I think having conversations like that can be helpful, like on in churches, but. on a broad scale, I think it does more harm than good, especially for women, because um, if we don't have this um, rich idea of what it means mm. to not just be a woman, but be a woman in service and ministry in whatever capacity that looks like. We have a lot of single women, um, single moms. We have a lot of women who don't have children, who are married, who are widowers. Like, they the. The ways that you can be a woman um, in a lived experience in your um, in your life is just – it's represented, I think, in our church particularly. And so for me, um, in communicating this to women, I want them to know that first and foremost, you are a child of God. You are yeah. a daughter of our great Father in heaven, just like our brothers are sons of our great Father in heaven. And so mm-hmm. I want um, – the women of our church and in churches to see and know that like, We've talked about marriage and the, the beautiful design of, of, you know, marriage and how we see it in Scripture, and it's a gift to us by God. But friendship, mm-hmm. male and female friendship, especially among Christians, is such a gift. Mm-hmm. Like brothers and sisters doing ministry together is a gift in my life. Yeah. Um, to have my brothers in the church, um, and it's a gift in many of the women, you know, that I see here in our churches. And so I think we have to recognize that too, because we see that in Scripture very clearly. More often than we see um, detailed, like details given about marriage, we see um, Christians, women and men who are just doing ministry together. So I think it's important to see that that's this beautiful design for us to be doing this together. Um, But also to see that like the men that are serving in our churches, particularly in pastoral and elder roles, um, when we not only respect them in, you know, what they're doing, um, but see that it's a gift for them and even a challenge for y'all um, to be leading and to doing things in the way that you're doing. Um, but to support you in a way of knowing that we've entrusted you with leading our church. We've entrusted you within a way of um, leading our families. Yeah. And that is a gift to you from us. You know, um, I think that often we we see that there are only wow. spaces that someone can serve um, in this capacity, or there's only a space where this person can serve. But, like, not all men are called to be pastors right. and they shouldn't <laughs> be. Not all men are qualified to be an elder in a church and they shouldn't be. And so, it's not a gender specific in that way that that's mm-hmm. the only identifier for that. Um, you know, it's something that I've, I've, Thought a lot about clearly, and um, have wrestled with, and had many conversations with women in our churches of like, what does it look like for me to serve in this capacity? And um, part of why it's so important for me to very clearly teach the scriptures is because I want women and I want young girls, I want my daughters to see that it is highly important for us to be doing this in in the local church and yeah. for. Um, it's not just important, but it's attainable in a way. We should be teaching and preaching in these ways. So,
0: Yeah. Well, um, you guys are both great ministers of the gospel and uh, super thankful for you all writing and sharing insight um, in this book. It's, it's been helpful for me. It's been a blessing to me. And um, listeners, we hope you'll uh, check it out. Uh, you can order the book Church Out Here at realchurchvoices.com. It releases May 1st. We would encourage you to go check it out and uh, share this podcast and the book um, and the link with a friend. And we want to thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon.